well, well, look who's back. It's First Off, You're Wrong, a podcast by two dudes smart enough to see problems, but too dumb to figure out how to fix them. I am Luke with me, Jeremiah. Hi. Uh, last week was Calvinism. Calvinism, we did a uh, blip, or no, we did not. Did we? Ah, we did something. We finished up no. Tulip and with the no. extra ones. Is today Calvinism 3? No, today's 4. What was 3 then? Three was finishing up. Oh, that's right. We did do blip slash yeah, blip. Yeah, we did. I just I don't remember. I think blip, blip B, blip, whatever it is. That's right. Uh, any it. any um, what do they call it? I don't know. Announcements? Anything? Got anything for this week? Uh, check your fire extinguishers. Make sure they're up to date. That's true. Also, I feel like I always have the mic so close, and you're so quiet, and I'm so loud. Because well, every time I watch and I edit, I can watch the decibel meter. And when I see it getting bigger, I'm like, oh, I'm about to start talking. And then I start talking. And I feel like that's just wrong. I have the problem of I don't have a mic stand when we record at your place. So well, but I'm last holding week, it. And so I go anywhere from here to here. <laughs> last week you were at yours and it was you still it's, it doesn't matter where we are. My 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 decibel level so high. And I'm like, yeah, do people not like to hear me talk? Hit with a disclaimer. All right. As you guys. As you guys know, this podcast is mainly opinion-based. Of course, as Christians, our utmost authority is Scripture. But our goal with this podcast is to make you come away thinking about things you haven't thought of before or maybe thinking about things you have thought of in a new way. With that said, Luke, we already know what people are wrong about this week, so let's just go ahead and get right into it. What are some misconceptions? People are wrong about Calvin's. Okay. Or misunderstandings that Calvinists have. Because uh, this one is kind of going to be weird because we did talk a little bit in the overview about what non-Calvinists think about Calvinism. But I kind of want to use this one as a what are Calvinists, what what are some disagreements within the Calvinist camp or what are some Calvinist misunderstandings that we have within our own camp. If yes, that makes there sense. are. Because, um, you know, we're not, there, there's going to be we are perfect, doctrine. right? Yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> no, I mean, wrong. it's it would be it would be insane to think that you know we could go this far without some error coming up at some point. So right. what what what? I I wrote down a couple, but you said you had one. Do oh yeah, I had an extra off? one. We can. Um, well, I guess I don't know if this is between. This wouldn't be between Calvinists. This would be misconception of someone who's not Calvinist. All right, then we'll start with my first like, one. Then. I was like, when you said this, I'm like, oh, well, I guess that my point sucks. So <laughs> well, will, never mind. I was I'll trying just, to give you the floor. I'll just take it back. I mean, I mean, I know one, um, I would say probably one would be um, remissions. I don't know if that between, yeah. I would think some Calvinists do believe that Hey, we don't really. That's not necessary because and we've talked like about if, that before. Because yeah, if, if God's ordained these people yeah. to come, then why do I? Because God, God is sovereign. So obviously, there's nothing. But again, that goes back to the whole. Um, we have no free will. We have nothing, and that actually goes into another one, which are the points I saw that you had on your sheet, which we won't go into that yet. But yeah, the big one I think that a lot of people would agree on and would probably have heard by now would be that. As Calvinists, like we don't like missions is not something, maybe not something that you don't need to do at all. But they're just like it's not. We don't need to really be uh, emphasizing like a low emphasis. Yeah. Yes, there doesn't need to be a lot of money going towards it. You don't need to be maybe dedicating your entire life to it because 
you know, God already ordained it at the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, but I think that obviously that's something that we both disagree with um, heavily of just being like, well, let's just let's just leave it and not really deal with it. God's in control. Yeah. Um, which it goes like that cop out that, you know, those, I, mean, I don't know if everyone's experienced it, but you have that girlfriend that goes, well, God told me to break up with you. And you're like, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Have like, you got in with that uh, one? I don't think, I can't remember a big ever i had a lot of friends that have had that happen oh, no. but I've, I've i've had it brought up in a breakup thing like because it wasn't going well because they like couldn't say the words like hey we should break up and i'm just kind of standing there staring at them and then it was like and i just like been praying about it. i'm like uh-huh anyway i mean they have been that's great but i'm just saying <laughs> for the for the a good little you know comparison it's kind of the same thing that's right it's we god's in control so therefore we don't need to send out missions or missionaries and stuff like that we don't need to have an emphasis on this because there's just no need for it yeah i've i've heard that before too from from both sides i've heard more uh, i've heard a lot of people in the armenian camp say calvinists have you know there's no purpose in missions you know wow no calvinist in the calvinist view because God's just going to save them anyways, so why would you even why would you even bother? And it also is know? a slight that's used um, from the other side, from the opposition, as I call them. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Wow. Of course, it's a Snapchat from someone I don't even like. Okay. You have Snapchat? I do have Snapchat. I had Snapchat for I had Snapchat since Snapchat came out. How I, are we, I snapped how are we, family. How are we not friends. We're not friends. <laughs> I have a streak. I have a four hundred day streak going with my cousin in law, who's like fourteen. And it's like this up and coming tight end in Alabama. <laughs> and it's just pictures of him just staring at the camera, taking a selfie. And it's the most awkward pictures. So then I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm I just hurt. do the same thing. I'm hurt. Well, I didn't know you had Snapchat. I feel like a lot of people don't have it. A lot of people have Snapchat. Okay, Wait, well, what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't just talk about missions or something. But anyway, everyone needs to go download Snapchat. But no. <laughs> but um, I. I'm tired of seeing seeing David Dobrik's face 400 times a day. Oh, uh, from the from yeah. that. I don't ever go on that part. I, don't I never go on people's stories, and I only I only open it when people send me something directly. I accidentally go on there, and every time it's David Dobrik. I have like I have no I have terrible ones. Like it's only it's like it's 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 you know, of course it's always girls, and it's like I'm like why is this even on here? Like I don't want this. That's why I don't like Snapchat. The funny thing is, is because it's like they're trying to push that down my throat, and I'm like I don't I don't even follow these people, and that's not. It, Literally, the whole point of it is, hey, look at this picture of my pasta that I had. Yeah. You know? It's supposed to be like, or look, oh my, the whole thing was supposed to be like, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what I just saw, and I'm sending it in real time yeah. to my friends, and it, and it disappears. That was the whole thing. And they're like, take up memory on your phone. Yeah. And now we're going to, rec- we're going to screen record, we're going to take photos, or what is, screenshots of it. I mean, it's like, once screenshots started happening, it was just... It never was the same, and and that stock has destroyed a lot of my money. Oh, anyway, <laughs> so much money. Anyway, uh, okay, sorry. Go so back. with the missions stuff, if you look back historically, John Calvin was a big proponent of missions. He sent a ton of missionaries out. He supported a lot of missionaries. Um, you go through a lot of other um, historical churches. There were there was always an emphasis on missions through the Calvinist, the Reformed lens. Now, there have definitely been branches of people, and we'll talk about some of that later on, that have put an extremely low emphasis on uh, a popular group 
in the U.S. that has a very low uh, outreach, we'll say, not necessarily missions, but a low outreach is the Primitive Baptist group. Oh, um, I have a Primitive Baptist over by my parents. I think yeah. we talked about this before because I was like, what, they, are, what is a Primitive and Baptist? And this, is, this isn't meant to slander them or say anything negative Yeah, go about ahead and them. slander them, though. No, I'm not because <laughs> I don't know everything <laughs> about Primitive Baptist, but what right. I do know is that they do place a slightly lower um, emphasis on okay. outreach than a normal... You know, not a normal, a, a different denomination would. Um, Maybe non-denominational? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but what does that mean? Um, one of the things I wrote down that I, this is something that affected me a lot when I was coming up, when I was growing up, is the, the idea that since God has ordained all things that come to be, nothing matters, right? Um that's like a lot of people, nihilism, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people refer to that now as Christian nihilism. Oh, so look at me, I know words. Yeah, good job. I only uh-huh. know that because I think when Jordan Peterson was making his rise, go listen to Manosphere. Um, everyone kept saying it, and I was like, "What is this word?" And then I watched uh, the Big Lebowski, and <laughs> they, uh, something they, they're nihilist or whatever. I can't remember what what it was. A Joe Goodman's character said it. And Joe Good, John Goodman. John Goodman. Sorry, John Goodman. Joe Goodman's my grandfather. Um. Anyway, I'll take that out. Uh, <laughs> you keep, you always say I'm going to take it out, and then you never take. Yeah, it out. Never, I'm, probably, I'm probably not going to take that out. Um. But anyway, yeah. No. That. So I, you know, I know words. I can read a little bit. Areopagus and such. <laughs> Areopagus and, and such. But anyway, sorry. The, go ahead. The, um, that is definitely a a thing that I see around, and it's unintentional for the most part. I think it's something that happens. As you know, there, there's kind of two routes that people take when they start coming to the doctrines of grace. You either mm-hmm. have the the stereotypical cage stage, cage stage Calvinist who is just excited all the time, you know, running out there, wants to do all all the stuff, everything. You know, come on, let's Shout go. Let's him do from it, let's the mountaintops. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have the people who kind of. I did. I did a little bit of both. I'll say. I, I definitely had my moments where I was just like, wow. God's in control, so nothing matters, right? Why should I? Why should I worry? Well, not even worry. Why should I care about mm-hmm. things going on around me? You know. Then I just had a complete withdrawal from my, you know, the things that you have to care about. Pretty much reality. Yeah, reality. Yeah. Grades in school, things like that. And um, I was to say, I think that when you, because you said sometimes you think a lot of it's unintentional. And I actually was thinking about this the other day where I think that it can actually be a very dark side of Calvinism because it may, sometimes it may be unintentional, but I think sometimes people can look at it and go, oh, I like that. I like Calvinism because it's it's me agreeing that God's totally in control. And like, it doesn't matter what I do. I can just, because I, I think a lot of people fall into stuff like mm-hmm. that where it's like, I'm tired of not doing this sin, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, and I just, I, I'm tired. Like I can, I can get ahead in life. I can feel better by doing it. I can do whatever it is, and so they go to the guys of, well, I'm secured in my salvation. So what does it matter? Like, and it also adds into that Epicurean mm-hmm. mindset yes. too that we talked about last week. Go listen to last week's episode. Know, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Right. You know, so what 
I don't have to worry about anything. God's in control of everything, so I'm just going to go do whatever I want, and he's ordained everything that happens in my life. Yeah, he's ordained me, you know, going and stealing, you know, $5,000 worth of merchandise at the Nike shop or, you know, whatever No, no, it is. no, 999 <laughs> no, That way I'm not, jail. Yeah, that's right. You don't want grand larceny with my, uh, whatever the other one is. Petty theft. <laughs> yes, no. that's right. Petty theft, that's right. Um, Shout out San Francisco. Yes. We love you. But that that is something that can be pointed to a lot as a, a, a red flag coming up with people. So um, I think the best way to address that is just to assure people, one, that Calvinistic doctrine, Reformed doctrine is not deterministic, mm-hmm. right? We still have free will. We still have the ability to exercise our free will. We are not complete automatons, but... What does our free will get us? We're not complete robotatons either. <laughs> oh, You're welcome. <laughs> our free will just gets us in trouble. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you boy. said it just it worked, worked so well. I don't even know what you were <laughs> quoting. I'm not. I wasn't quoting anything. It was like a. It was just a Luke moment. You know, it just came to my mind. Can you go home? <laughs> I, I am home. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways. You can stay here, though, if you like. <laughs> yes, no. Pain. A hundred percent, though. It, 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 we, the, the, the will we have is an operational will. Like, we yeah. have things we can choose to do. Like, our actions and our choices, that is on us, okay? Um, it's just, again, we, we brought it up last week a thousand times. We brought it up the week before. The idea of salvation is just not the thing that we are actively able to determine. We cannot say, I'm going to follow Christ, or sorry, not follow Christ. I'm not going to believe, I'm going to believe in Christ, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get saved today. Like, that's not on us. We are not able to do that as humans. And that, yeah. again, it's always the holdup of anyone who's Armenian. And it, it's... I understand that it's hard to think about and you want it to be like, I made this choice and like, I, again, I don't know why you'd feel better by being like, I made the choice because again, like we talked about last week with the, um, with like how secure your salvation is, the security that we have is that it's completely in Christ Jesus Mm -hmm. and the security that you know, the opposition has is that the security, a lot of it's in you because you made that choice. Therefore you can make the choice to leave. But then yet we have all these verses where they'll not snatch them out of my father's hand. You know, when you, when like you're one of Christ, that's it. You're one of his, you don't, you persevere to the end perseverance of the saints, obviously. So it's a lot of the, the will thing is, again, I understand how it can be kind of confusing and kind of Maybe almost like it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Like, how is it that I can't decide that for myself? But again, like I've preached in the past, like three episodes is, you know, stop putting God on the level of us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, there's no need for it. And, and he's not on the level of us. So our thought process and what we think is fair and what we think is just and what we think is the right way to do things and that's not the God that I follow kind of stuff. Like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, but it just doesn't matter. 
One of the things I think about, have you ever heard the, the term Pascal's wager? Mm-hmm. I think it's Pascal's wager where um, it's, it's, it's yes, it's, it's better. It's someone to, like him. It's better to him. believe in God and be wrong now than to not up. believe in God and be wrong. But to use an argument similar to that, I would rather get to heaven and be wrong about God's sovereignty than get to heaven and be wrong about my freedom. Mm. So yeah. even if you want to look at it through that purely rationalist standpoint, rationalist viewpoint, then why? Why You're right, why, Pascal. Oh, it is Pascal. See, I know <laughs> things. <laughs> I took philosophy 101. That's right. Um, <laughs> but when, when you think about God's sovereignty... Why wouldn't you want to believe in that? Why? Why wouldn't? You why would want you want that? chaos? Why exactly? Because it almost seems like the chaos part that that's being wanted is like look in, in Romans like one and two. Like I know everyone's with thousand. Look at Romans eight. Like no, look at Rome nine. Look at Romans one and two. Like look at the chaos that is in the fallen world. Look at the chaos that is in a complete depraved degenerate human being. Like that's where the sovereignty of God, That's if it wasn't there, that's what you'd have with everything and everybody. I mean, you're talking Satan is running free and just absolutely able to do whatever he wants and there is no way out of it. Mm-hmm. And and that entire description in of, of all the things that, those, that the people were doing, what God has given them over to, like that would be the entire world. And so, you know, sitting here being like, well, you know, I... <laughs> this, I don't want the sovereignty of God, or maybe you could be a little less sovereign. It's just ridiculous. Now to get to kind of wrap up the the nihilist, the Christian nihilist conversation, um, I think the the cage stage is is one thing. You know, you what is the MacArthur wrote a article that's pretty good, especially if you're newly. Uh, coming to the doctrines of grace uh, i'm trying to remember i think it's uh slow down slow down grow up keep reforming something like that slow down um, grow up make your bed <laughs> Play out your room. but macarthur's point in that is he was talking directly to the young young restless reform movement and he was saying you know hey you're excited that's great keep that energy but slow down. Keep keep reforming. The Reformation is still ongoing. Keep looking in the Bible. Keep digging in the Word. Keep finding what we what we are missing in God's Word. We might not be missing anything, but figure out what, what it is that we need to understand. Okay, look, everyone may be in a consensus on this, mm-hmm. but go in your Bible and see why. Why are, why are we in a consensus about the Trinity? It's not trying to be right. Yeah. It's figuring out why you are right or wrong. It's, or, or it's even, here, here's all the verses that back up the Trinity. I need to understand why, despite the fact that the Trinity is not uh, stated, you know, it doesn't say the word Trinity in the Bible. How, how do we know that the Trinity is true outside of the, the Council of Nicaea, right? Go and find the underlying reasoning for these things. Keep reforming. Keep studying the word, but slow down. Be calm about it. Right. Be be rational. Don't be, you know, fly off the handle. 
emotional keep you know do whatever because that makes you look kind of dumb <laughs> but for the opposite end of the spectrum with a christian nihilist viewpoint then kind of you know do more hey you understand these things good keep going yeah, don't not, stop when you get to a point where you say oh god's sovereign so i give up yeah we're not trying to be pietists we're not trying to promote pietism and it it's it's not about how good can we be mm-hmm. right because we're all like we're i think we all can agree after the third week of or the fourth week of doing this that we're all pretty awful um but we still have a call to obey yeah like we need to obey now are we always going to absolutely not and but it's not this thing where we're, oh, well we're secure so I mean, like, do I really have to? I mean, I'm already going to heaven. Like, and I had people with the, I, someone close to me has always been like, oh, well, I mean, I'm going to get all those crowns. I want to get all those crowns. And I'm like, looking at this person, I'm like, why is the, why is the crown such a big thing? Like, again, it's about me, me, me. It's again, it's obedience to the king. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It is not about how much I can get. Okay. Because we deserve absolutely nothing. I mean, we deserve death. That's actually, sorry, we do deserve something. We deserve God's wrath and we deserve death. Now we have our saving grace from that. And that's, we don't deserve it at all. And so sitting there with the, it's, I, you know, I can just, I can just disobey because everything's fine, you know, or, or I'm going to obey so I can get my this. It's like the, the call is just to obey. Mm-hmm. It is to submit to our king and it is to obey God, and that's it. And there's none of this, like, we you do a certain amount of good works, and that means that you're a Christian, or you whatever. It's, you're regenerated, or you're not regenerated. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'll keep, stop going down this rabbit hole. I almost said pie hole. Pie hole? I don't think that's what it is. I think no. it's a rabbit hole. No. Now, talking about the uh, depravity of man, like you just mentioned a minute ago, um... Another thing a lot of people talk about, one, is that even after our redemption, that we are still these totally depraved, sin, you know, incredibly terrible people, right? And with that, there's, there's two things I want to talk about. One, total depravity, even of the unregenerate man, does not mean complete debauchery mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that every man before they're they're saved before they come to a, a, a saving faith in christ it doesn't mean that they're just going out and doing the absolute worst thing that could possibly be done okay, let's right. start with that before i because if you say the next one i'm going to completely lose the thought on, on <laughs> this one but yeah no it's it you have a lot of those well i'm a good person people and we talked about that a couple weeks ago um and you can look at, obviously, um, I have lots of non-Christian friends, um, especially from like college times, and they're not, they're not sitting at, um, you know, at a at a, a a pass waiting to you know rob everyone and kill everybody and then go get drunk and then you know pillage a bunch of villages and stuff or yeah whatever you think is like terrible debauchery yeah like the, I don't have non-believing friends that are like that like in the world view. They're good people, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, and it's this is the it's it's the perspective of the sin nature, 
that's what it comes down to. And I think people just got to, they have to focus more on that. Where it's, we're not saying that because you, because when we're born and because of this uh, Adam's sin, that we're sitting here like, man, you know what I could go for? I could just go for killing a dude right now. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it works. But the when you're sitting there angry because someone's done something horrible to you or your family and you sit there and go, I just want to kill that person. Yeah. That is the depravity right there. The so it, it's the it's, you get cut off on the highway and now what are you sitting there yeah. doing? Yeah, what yeah. are you? You well, as my mom would call them as I was a kid. You you turkey. Um, <laughs> I like I was like what turkey anyway. But yeah, it, it's like that is the total depravity. It's um, my my football coach in high school. He put it very well. He was like um, sitting there being like, oh, I don't curse and I don't do whatever. He's like. Um, I'm gonna bring a baseball bat, and I'm without you looking or without you seeing me. I'm gonna smack you in the leg with it, and I'm gonna see what words come out of your mouth. What are the first words that come out of your mouth from that pain, yeah. and that will tell me all I need to know about the inner man in you. Probably ow. <laughs> <laughs> or but, ah. But again, but again, like you had, like it's, no, yeah. it's it's that's the total depravity. It's not like everyone is sitting there just seething to go and you know rob somebody or do or, or whatever like that's just that's not i have people that you know they're non-believers and you know they don't have sex before marriage or they're non-believers and they don't steal anything they never stole anything in their life or they're they've never cheated anyone or whatever i'm mm-hmm. not gonna say they never lied because i don't think but there's a person in this world's never lied but the, yeah the other facet that you kind of touched on as well yes that <laughs> take that not of course, not every non-believer is Hitler or Stalin or, you know. They're literally Hitler. <laughs> Throw back to 2016, folks. <laughs> literally Hitler, yeah. <laughs> not, not, they, not, not every unsaved person yeah. is Pol Pot, right? Yeah. But through our depraved nature, we have the capacity yes, to become Pol Pot, Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, any of those people that are just absolutely terrible beings absolutely terrible people and that is what our sin nature drives us to do now people can with restrain 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 i I, I mixed withstand and restrain they can restrain (laughs) withstrain and then they can also be restrained right Yes. Right, just like God restrained Joseph's brothers, yeah. He can restrain our sin nature, um, and, and and that that's something that you know people don't touch on as much. They hit the yeah, we're totally depraved. That means we're as terrible as we could be. No, that's that's not what that means. Yeah. That means that in our sin nature, acting un, uninformed by the cultural norms or morals that we have, we could be terrible yeah and everyone has their point like this one's saying like, you have a lot of people who are like man they're so stoic they're so this they're so that they're so calm you, know, you can't really get under their skin blah 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 and it's at some point everyone has a breaking that mm-hmm. breaking point area and it doesn't matter who you are and that comes from your sin nature that is the depravity um like we were like what jeremiah said perfect example is that you get cut off in your car your anger, no matter if you sit there and curse, or like me, you just you just want to forgive them. In just your pray heart. for them. You just pray for them, you know. Uh, <laughs> but that that initial like feeling, 
that is the, that's the depravity that we speak of. It's mm-hmm. like, again, <laughs> Jeremiah and I, when we were like not Christians, weren't sitting there like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm 12, but you know what I could go for? Just like going and robbing a convenience store. I want right to burn, burn some Anglo-Saxon <laughs> yes. village to the ground. I, just, I just want to walk up to my mom and just start lying to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, what, man, what was, I'm trying to, I saw a clip today from Kingdom of Heaven that, yeah. that I have never seen that whole movie. I've only seen clips and like edits of it. Um, <laughs> on Instagram but the clip I saw today he was saying um I've seen too much religion in the eyes of murderers what god demands is holiness of heart or no holiness of mind mm-hmm. purity of uh courage of heart that was what it was I'm like ooh that's a that's a good line <laughs> and that you know that kind of I I thought yeah. about that with you know the the religion that we have that you know everyone has before they're saved of themselves, the selfish religion that we have of self-glorification, whether that's through, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a huge charity so that way I can raise all this money and my name is attached to all this stuff so that way I can get big, or I'm going to go and do X, Y, and Z for my own self-gratification and glorification, or I'm an insane dictator who's going to kill as many people as possible and ethnically cleanse whole groups of people because that's what I want to do and that's what I think is best. All that is the religion of the self. And like that random quote from a movie I've never seen says is it's it's the religion that's in the eyes of murderers, right? Um going off of that point though, I mentioned it before and we just kind of touched on it for a minute, but I don't want to spend more time on it now. Yeah. The lesson and the objective of total depravity changes when it gets to the believer when you are regenerate when you are saved and sanctified yes you still have your sin nature you still have your flesh you are still you still curse the guy after he cuts you off in traffic you still have sin yeah that's undeniable you still have sin however you got to think of what the New Testament, how how the writers of the New Testament, how God refers to those who are saved. He calls them saints, right? We are still sinful people, but we are not in that same degenerate state, depraved state that we were before Christ. Christ has come and purged us of our sins. He has forgiven us of our unrighteousness. And now we are saints and heirs with Christ and his inheritance. It's like almost like it's an opening... Um what is this? There's all kinds of movies where they where they have that kind of moment where um well there's one that I don't know why is coming to my mind, but that horrible Indiana Jones one, the was it the fourth one, where she's like, I wanna know everything and then she's like, like those weird aliens like, Are oh, you sure? Crystal and then, skull? And then, yeah, and then like her head blows up or whatever. But the the, the point is I'm not saying because Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the best movies ever made. Dude, just I, saying. I love some Indiana Jones. Anyway, but I'm not saying that our eyes are come, become wide open and then our brains blow up, but we—it's—it's it's almost as though you're able to see it, as opposed to before mm-hmm. salvation. It's just, you know, whatever this person's doing this. Well, that's bad because you know, in earthly standards, like we go to jail for that, or or uh, you can get in trouble for that. You can um, kick get kicked out of school for it. Your parents don't want you to do it. Blah well, let's, blah. Let's take this 
object lesson, polyamory. According to the world standard, what's wrong with polyamory? Nothing. Why? Why or polyandry? I'm sorry. To it's be, weird. That'd it, be it. Boom. Yeah. Right. That might. It might be taboo slightly, mm-hmm. but there's no 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 standard by which to call it wrong or immoral. Right. Right. If if consenting adults want to have relationships with multiple people, why why who is the world to say that's wrong? Right. So where do we get that conviction? Well, we get it from the Bible that marriage is between one man, one woman for one lifetime. Right. There is no standard there's no standard for that outside of the bible that we can look to as to why this is wrong so when you become a regenerate person when you become sanctified you can look at that and you can say oh that is why this is wrong now i have that conviction of that is wrong this is why and you can point to it same can be said about things like lying even though the world may condemn lying you might go to jail for perjury right but then also sometimes, but then also sometimes there it's it's well sometimes lying is okay. Lying is a good thing in this mm-hmm. case. Or lying. Well, here's here's something interesting. Why why were the this is oh. going completely off topic? <laughs> Great. And Love this it. one I'm going to leave open ended. And I want if if you're listening, comment on one of our posts or send us an email at contact at first you're off you're wrong with your thoughts about this. Jeremiah really just wants you guys to email us. That's Jeff, um, but if lying at all times is wrong why were the hebrew midwives not punished for hiding the hebrew babies when pharaoh went through and killed all of them because it explicitly states <laughs> Thank the midwives lie you ask me these questions and no, usually no I'm saying, usually is, you ask these questions and i'm just sitting here like oh my gosh okay i'm gonna have to like edit out 15 minutes of me being quiet trying to figure out a good answer for this this is great yes but now this is not everyone this else is not a question for you out. this is a question for the audience so everyone else has to figure that out and don't right. text us either jeff jeff i'm blocking your number <laughs> i don't he doesn't I, need he doesn't i have him on do not disturb after eight o'clock, you know he hit. A, you really do. Yeah, because wow. it was fantasy. Oh, oh fantasy. Yeah, yeah that's why. Fantasy's over. But yeah, I know. But I just left him on that, so now I never yeah. get his notifications. You know, uh, um, he doesn't text me that much. He hit three fifteen on bench the other day. Yeah, he's like forty. Jeff. Yeah, who cares? I mean, he's forty two. He has like, the- <laughs> <laughs> and on m- a multitude of different human growth hormones. Yeah, I was gonna say he's like on TRT. <laughs> The he's Holy not. Grail. He's not. See, he's not now, we're lying. now we're right, lying. Now we're lying. I'm sorry. We're lying. I was lying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyways, yeah, just something to, to be reminded of that even though we still have a sin nature, we are not in that totally yeah, depraved and we, state and that we, we have were the, in before exactly, Christ. And we have the ability to look at stuff and go, okay, this is absolutely wrong. And before, yeah, you could still say, well, I mean... I was raised in a Christian home, and I I knew those things were wrong because I you know I read the Bible and stuff, but I was never I was never saved. So, but now it actually becomes again. It's our lives are to glorify and obey, mm-hmm. right? That is what we're doing: glorify and obey God. And the obedience part, it's a willing obedience. Like I want to obey. Do I? Absolutely not, because the the old man, the flesh. Like it always, it can, it comes in and just, you know, takes over and you do things that are wrong and we all do them. And, but the biggest thing is that we as Christians, as saved people, we want to obey. We want to do what is right and what is told to us in the Bible. 
that glorifies God and pleases him. And the people in the world that sit here and go, well, I like to do good too. But it's like, well, what's the purpose though? Mm-hmm. That's always what I always, I, I wonder, it's very hard for me to understand that the worldly view of things like doing what's right. Like, what does it matter to be Why? a good person? What do you gain from it? Well, mm-hmm. my life is more calm. Okay, well, I know a bunch of degenerate people that they have tons of money. Their life is, seems pretty calm. They're pretty secure. And they don't sit there and are, they're not nice. So what does niceties get you like at the end of your life? Well, I hope that whatever fill in the blank, you know, I, I'm looked at favorably by who? Why do you care? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make much sense. But then when you put it in the spectrum of or in the lens of Christianity, it's like there is a reason to do the right thing because it's their testimony. It's a way that we're used as vessels to share the gospel, to bring people to Christ, to be that person that God uses after the Holy Spirit, obviously, has called them. I know, because like, I got to like preface everything. Like, I mean, with that, because then it's like, well, what if we just talked about Calvinism for the last four weeks and you're saying that you can save them? Like, no, but I can be used as the vessel. And and that is what the the things that I do and the heart that I have and the inner man that I have that should shine through and there should be something where someone could look and go, he's different yeah, as opposed to me, as opposed to my neighbor, as opposed to whatever. Um, and yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should move on. Otherwise we're going to spend a whole lot of time. I was like, we're, we're, pretty, we're, we're yeah. getting far in the episode and we still have a, a bit to cover. Um, and a Luke's this, list. Yeah. And a Luke's list. This next spot I want to talk about. I have 21 about. points. Are you kidding? I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. We'll see. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> don't um, lie. The next one is something that, to this day, people in the Reformed camp go back and forth on. And we don't actually... There, there's difference of opinions within the Calvinist viewpoint about. Um, and I don't have enough to say who is right or wrong. I have my own view that's been informed by the people... I read and listen to, but like I said, I, I'm still not entirely sure about this because it's a difficult topic to grasp. And even John Calvin, when he wrote about it in the Institutes, he called it the, the horrible truth or the horrible doctrine um, because it is, it is something that is very difficult to think about. And it's, it's about predestination, and it's whether or not there is double or single predestination. Oh, yes. And I don't, there's different terms of superlapsarian and infralapsarian, which are some of the different ways to say it. That's too, too churchy for my taste. Um, so I like the term single or double predestination. So because it makes an in- incredibly difficult topic slightly more easy to understand. So a double predestination, that's where people are predestined to heaven and people are predestined to hell? Is that right? Or is it yes. more in-depth so than that? Okay. It, the double predestined view, that, as I understand it, again, I have to be very careful talking about this because it's it's very complicated and I'm still... It's just do a Wikipedia uh, no, search oh, and just no. talk whatever, whatever it says. is <laughs> Top result. Um... <laughs> www.idontknowwhatimdoing.com forward slash. Yes. Type um, in the search bar. Anyways, 
the the double predestinate predestination view is that yes, God chooses certain people for heaven and he chooses certain people f- for hell. He predestines people from before time has began. The single predestination view is that there are some there are people who God has appointed for heaven and then it's not that he chooses others it's that he passes over others right the so, same the same election for people for the elect that will go to heaven yeah. is more of a passing over of others that will be condemned by their sins and um there's there's different ways to say it the the double predestination view is like i said there's super and infralapsarian but the the double predestination view is also called equal ultimacy so the the way that christ chooses those predestines those who will be glorified it is equally ultimate the way that he predestines those to go to hell Hmm. um the way sproul puts it is that there are the the double predestination view is positive positive think about like a battery so two positive terminals on one battery um, and that meaning is that he positively uh, positively predestines people for heaven and he positively predestines people for hell. The single predestination view is positive negative. So he positively predestines people for heaven and he negatively passes over others. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds like a very minute distinction but it has caused a, a you know there's a lot of different views so like sproul was you know he's in, he's been more informed he's been one of the most informative people in my life about the doctrines of grace okay. rc sproul um and i think a lot of people look to him for the the answers on a lot of stuff when it comes to this i don't agree with sproul though sproul took a single predestination view that right. he Christ passes over others, which I don't think it's, it's not heretical. It's just, I don't see that in the Bible. Right. I do see double predestination clearly in the Bible. Romans two comes to, mm-hmm. Romans two comes to mind. That would be the God's given them up to, to themselves and to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked. You mean, you got me. Actually, I, I wish I knew. I, God, let me look it up. I'll, I I'll have, look. I have Proverbs 16, okay, four as one of them. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Mm. Um, again, we can go back to who, who are you? Oh man, answer back to God. Can the potter not make the clay how he wants to make it? You know, some for vessels of glory, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable dishonorable use and vessels of wrath right god has created all of us for a specific reason and some of the reason may be vessels of wrath what was your what was your thing from romans all right so i got it it wasn't romans 2 i knew it was in the beginning of romans it's romans uh 1 124 um therefore god gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And then it goes on about this is the acknowledgement of God, like they mm-hmm. they know God, but yet they reject him. But again, if God's giving them up, which is, that is, um, we're actually talking about that in Sunday school, uh, we're in Romans 2 right now, and um, you know the, the giving up of us by God to like ourselves, to the lust of our hearts, I mean, how scary is that, where he's just like, look, you know what, you... You, it's all it, there. Here's your free will. You can take it and you can leave, and and it's all in, and have fun, and and you're just done. And it's like it's not saying that he he can't go and save you again. I and mean, we all have people in our lives where, you know, we we hope that God will intervene in what they're doing. Um, but again, if there's no, I think again it comes down to the whole. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really, I guess I, I kind of understand it. Um, but as you mature as a Christian, I, I don't understand why we stick with the whole, you know, God is, is so, is so kind and gentle all the time. Like there's no, he's not ever mean and whatever. And we're, we're not talking about, he's sitting here just, you know what? I'm going to send thunderbolts down and kill everybody. Like it, that's not what he's doing. It's he's a just God. Mm-hmm. The just does the, the thing that we justly deserve is to die, is to be is to go to hell and to pay for our sins which we'll never pay for. And the only way to pay for it is just to go to hell. And th- and and he gives us a way out of it. So I I'm I'm kind of not understanding why a a view like you're saying of of double predestination is a double predestination, right? Mm-hmm. A double predestination is so hard. The positive positive is so hard to think about. Like if God pre preordained or or you know he or he foresaw whatever you want to call it us to be the elect, how and why would he not be able to or would predestine the people that are going to go to hell? Mm-hmm. It's just it's the fairness of it. That's just what it is. Shall, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And who, again, who who are we to apply our personal standard to God? We need to start with God and what he explicitly states about his being and himself and then come down to us and say, what does God define us as? And what does God define his working as? Now, again, if you hold to a single predestination view, I don't think you're heretical. No. I just think that we have different opinions, and we could sit and argue all we want about it. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's even that big of a deal. No, I, don't think I, I think that it's something that we get hung up on because there's apparently not enough to argue I'll say, about. I think we just want to have fun. But, yeah. um, <laughs> we just want to yell about something. And so at, at the end of the day, you know, we could die and go to heaven, and one of us— could be right but who cares right there is there is purpose to it there is point to it but i don't think it's something that we should get hung up on and spend too much time worrying and belaboring i know we want to get to more points but let's go to that what you just said i kind of want your um thought process on that these ideas that they matter 
mm-hmm. but they don't matter on the big scale of salvation. Are they even worth? I mean, I know that I think they're worth talking about. Do you think they're actually like worth like sitting here arguing about it with other people, with like, the with maybe the chance of them, you know, um, you and me start arguing about about this, yeah, and then your heart becomes hardened to like me and our friendship, and so you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to hang out with Luke anymore because he's just we're sitting there arguing. He's not listening to my points. Is it worth it at that? Okay, so the what I always like to think about is the two verses in proverbs don't answer a fool according to his folly okay answer, you don't have to be something answer a fool according to his folly now to me that specifically is talking about if a believer is talking to a non-believer or right. just in your interpersonal relationships there are times where it's better to answer a fool according to his folly answer someone who's saying something stupid about what they're saying mm-hmm. and point out what they're saying is wrong but then there's other times where you should not answer a fool according to his folly because maybe they know what they're doing is being provocative and they want to stir up strife and they want to cause trouble and they want to stick that dagger in and twist it around to cause a reaction and the best thing you can do is just say oh yeah that's interesting i think mike winger put it best with that where he said the the first question to ask after that a question is asked by like let's say an atheist is if i give you the answer will it change anything in your heart Mm -hmm. or will it change your mind at all because if it's no, I'm just asking the question, then it's, hey, then there's no point in this. Because that's I'm not answering a question just so we can keep going with a bunch of gotcha stuff. Yeah. You're not going to solve anything. Now, interpersonal with believers, I think it's different too. Because if if you took a single predestination and I took a double predestination, there shouldn't be a point where we're getting into a massive argument about it. I think that if one of us starts getting into... Now we're, you know, we're name calling or we're, you know, calling the other one stupid because they hold to a different view. That's a bit excessive. And if it gets to a point where maybe we just shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Because yeah. we're getting too worked up. Then I think the the mature believer has a responsibility. The, the, the more mature believer has a responsibility to diffuse the situation. Maybe even just say, you know what? I don't think we need to talk about this much anymore. Let's just let's let's focus on something else. You know, you can you can disengage, but there's also no problem in going back and forth and talking about it. Again, going back to R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur had debates about infant baptism. R.C. Sproul and Greg Bonson had views about apologetics. Uh, you know, Bonson again. I, as much as I love Sproul, it seems like I'm only disagreeing with him. But I took Bonson's side in this debate with presuppositional apologetics where it's better than the classical apologetic view that Sproul takes. I don't think there's either, I don't think either view is heretical or, you know, you should be thrown out of a church if you're a classical apologist. But I viewed Bonson's view as better. And I prefer that in my own life. There's, there's different there's the, there's different things that we can agree and disagree on and be part of a church, right? Yeah. We can still be like-minded believers. Uh, infant baptism is another one. I do not agree with infant baptism. I find... In the words of uh, my boy Doug, it's biblical and it's really cute. I mean, it is cute. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, Dang, Doug, you let him do that to you? Um, <laughs> uh, but... 
You say that like he listens. Yeah, um, you know, he's me. We, we go back. Go back <laughs> but the uh, I, I find nowhere in the scripture that backs up infant baptism for the believer, for the... Um, I think the only place they ever talk about is where the they some people became... They became saved. They were baptized immediately, them and their family. And it says his house. His house. Which right. historically would not just mean his children. It doesn't mean that. It means the people in the his people house. The people in his house, yeah. So you can get hung up on that all you want. You're wrong. Everywhere else in scripture, <laughs> it talks about those who believed yeah. were baptized. We're not talking about that right now. But you can have arguments about yeah. that. But don't go back and forth and start screaming at people. I'm I'm not dispensational in my uh, eschatological es, eschatological view, right? I'm I'm not a dispensationalist. I'm not post mill. I'm not amill, and so you can look at that and say, "Wow, you know, you're just only going to go to a historical pre mill church." Well, that's kind of hard to find, especially in the South. No, I go to a, a church that holds to a dispensational eschatology. I don't agree with it, but at the same time, it's not heretical. And I I would be hard pressed to even say you know I would be hard pressed to say it's it's I guess the best word would be wrong. The last thing I want to talk about is kind of a misconception on both sides, but mainly on the Arminian side mm-hmm. is uh, hyper Calvinism. Have you ever been accused of you know oh that's just you're just a hyper Calvinist or heard someone say well I'm not a hyper Calvinist? Is this like God is? Completely sovereign there for like I'm a robot kind of thing or what? yeah it kind of uh, it kind of pulls in a lot of the different aspects we talked about and okay. puts it under one view but people mistakenly call regular Calvinism hyper Calvinism because you affirm that Christ ordains all to come and then you have people who say oh well you know just you hyper Calvinist you don't want to it, 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 it's used as slanderous term nowadays yeah I don't th- I've never been called it I don't. I don't normally get into biblical <laughs> arguments with people about this. Because um, uh, the funny thing is, like, most of my family is Reformed or Calvinistic. Yeah. Like, I think I've I've never talked to my dad about Calvinism. And, like, and like just because of this podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing one. And he just starts going in on, like, yeah, I mean, can you really believe like you thought the other way? And I'm like, what? Whoa. Where did this come from? I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, so I... I I would say no. I there's um, a family down the street. From, nice. There's a family. Did hey, you at do least that my, last week? I think I did, but yeah. at least my phone doesn't go off every uh, episode. Whatever, it's fine. Uh, people, I'm just popular. My mom really likes to text me a lot. Um, <laughs> anyway, but there's like a family down the road that we hang out with, and they're uh, Presbyterians. And wow, we got on the subject of Calvinism a few weeks ago. It was before we started this, and we're just, I mean, we're just riffing. I mean, it was crazy. I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, yeah. just talking about it and stuff, and I didn't bring up that I don't agree with sprinkling the babies, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it is cute. <laughs> it is It's biblical, and it's cute. Um, but, yeah, no. So, I, I, I've i never been called that, uh, unfortunately, I guess. I mean, <laughs> have you, sir? Um, I, I, I've I'm heard, sure you have. I've heard the term thrown around. I've never been called that, but I've really? heard the Because the, no. the conversations you've told me you've had with people about Calvinism didn't seem to go very well. And no. It seemed like a slanderous term they'd no. use against you. Um, but I, I, I've heard those people I've had conversations with say, well, at least he's not a hyper-Calvinist. And About you? Yeah. And oh, it's, so at least it's, you're, you're depraved, but you're not like too depraved. Gotcha. Yeah, but it, it, and it, it, 
again, it's used as a slanderous term, but it's not the people that use it normally don't understand what it is. There's a famous clip, uh, James White uses it in his opening for Radio Free Geneva, where it says, uh, I think it was someone from Soteriology 101, I'm not sure, but it says, <laughs> I don't, the best. I don't know if there's, uh, I don't really know the difference between a regular Calvinist and a hyper-Calvinist. And it's like, okay, that's that's not good if you're here debating Calvinism and you don't know the difference between it. So hyper-Calvinism is actually a specific subgroup of people. It is a specific um, teaching that is very, it, it, it's varied from Calvinism or Reform doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, it was called, well, linguistically, it was called hyper-Calvinism, not hyper Hyper was a different way of saying it. People say hyper now. It's kind of a transliteration. And because they say hyper, they think it's like, oh, hyperdrive, you know, extra or over Calvinist. That's not where it comes from. It comes from hyper, which is, I think, a Dutch term. I was like thinking like Digimon. And like, yeah. you're like oh, no, he's transformed into <laughs> hyper Calvinist. <laughs> um, but the other historical thing it was called was false Calvinism. Okay. So we can already say, yeah, no, it's a completely distinct group of people. Um, again, they have a uh, a low emphasis on missions. Um, that that was one of the big things that they talked about uh, in that. Even now, there's still some subgroups, um, not not all Dutch churches, but a lot of ethnically Dutch reformed mm. churches in uh, wherever those people in Europe are, uh, they have this tendency. They might not be strict hyper-Calvinists. They would not call themselves that, but they are... The Netherlands. Yes. <laughs> I well, don't know why. Wherever they are. You know... The, <laughs> They have the Dutch, in the Netherlands, you know, and you know, oh, you know, the, the Denmark, <laughs> Dutchland, right? Deutschland, <laughs> um, Pennsylvania. Good, good. <laughs> lots of a lot of Rhode Island, maybe. Um, All right, sorry, good. But the <laughs> just leave me alone. It I just got caught me off I've guard. Got, I was like, wait. The what? next point that I have to make is so much more in depth, and I'm trying to think about that while I'm saying the uh, sentence. Go ahead, go but ahead. anyways, there is a low emphasis on missions in with with the strict, the literal hyper Calvinist view. But also, uh, hyper Calvinism states that it's this, that the sufficiency of the atonement extends only as far as its efficacy, whereas the orthodox, small o orthodox Calvinist view is that the atonement is sufficient for the world, but efficient for mm-hmm. the elect. So what that means is that there's they, they have a different view of Christ's atonement. Can you say their... their um, so the their sufficiency of the atonement extends only as far as its efficacy. Okay. So whereas we would say the Christ's atonement is sufficient for the world, but it's efficient, it affects the elect, mm-hmm. they would say Christ's atonement only is sufficient for those who are elect and only efficient for those who are elect. So they would say that Christ's blood cannot cover all, right? Because it is only for the elect. Whereas the orthodox view is that Christ's blood can cover all, but it affects those who were called 
for Christ, those who are given to Christ. So that that is the biggest distinction is that they have a completely unbiblical view of the atonement. They have a completely unbiblical view of sanct- sanctification. It's not. It is. Uh, I think the term I wrote is. Uh, it's a vicarious atonement. It is not a substitutionary atonement, where we see it as we are. Our sins were taken, and Christ took them, and now we are given His grace. Through that, the the vicarious atonement. I'm trying to remember it exactly from my research, and it's 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 again. This is a difficult thing. But the vicarious atonement is that him, his death on the cross was only for those who were, uh, who are of the elect, and it cannot cover the whole world. So there, again, that's where the low view of missions come from is because it's only sufficient and efficient for those who are in Christ, for those who are called by Christ, there's no need for us to go out into the world, which is, there, there's a lot that could counteract that, but think about the Great Commission right yeah that all authority is given to me on earth and in heaven go out into the world and also goes back you don't know who again you don't know who the elect are and and why why would you not be the one that's being used as the vessel to bring them the gospel it's to hear the gospel and the holy spirit to call so i i don't understand why you wouldn't put an emphasis on that no matter what you are no matter what your viewpoint is on this and and so with that hyper calvinism is not regular calvinism it is a completely separate subgroup that is, in my view, I would call it heretical. Um, bom, bom, bom. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it goes against what's clearly taught in right. the Bible, there's only one word for it. So, anyways, with that and the uh, discussions on way too much stuff, do you have a list for us today? I do. I got a list. I feel like we should get into... Luke's list. All right. So this list comes. I probably to, shouldn't have whispered. <laughs> <laughs> this list comes to us from Jesus Dash is Dash Savior dot com. Uh, Heresies of Calvinism by David J. Stewart. All right. So let's go number one. He has two first names. Well, at least three, depending on what his middle name is. Calvin Calvin believed in infant baptism. I mean, it's biblical, and it's cute. Right, Doug? Uh, How many times are we going to say that? Like four times now. Uh, Calvin said baptism is properly administered to infants, is properly administered to infants, is something owed to them. I don't think he said that exact sentence. Well, Because that didn't make any sense. So with infant baptism... And the beginning of the Reformation, you have to understand, there were different fights that were going on in that time. There were different things that were emphasized. And so as time has gone on, there are things that have been changed, and there are things that we have through study of the Word and the proliferation of the Bible for more and more people to study. We have different views on things. So when you look at infant baptism and John Calvin specifically endorsing infant baptism, you have to realize he was a product of his time. So you can't apply today's American Baptist standard to a man who was from 1500s Geneva and had just broken off from the Roman Catholic Church. Don't worry, we're about to get to Geneva. So... (laughs) 
you again, you, you, you can't apply today's standard to Calvin. And to say that infant baptism is heretical is extraordinarily far. It does say, it does say it, right here. This it is can he be it wrong. Is. That doesn't mean it's heretical. All right. Calvin believed in sacraments equal to God's word. Therefore, let it be regarded as a settled principle that the sacraments have the same office as the word of God to offer and set forth Christ to us and in him the treasures of heavenly grace. I don't know what Calvin's view was on things like transubstantiation. I know that the Luther Luther's view was that it, it you know, is means is, mm-hmm. right? This is my body. This is my blood. Uh, I know my view on the uh, the sacraments. On but, the Eucharist? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> but for Calvin, I again, I, I can't speak to what he said. But at the same time, again, you have to remember he was a product of his time. And... You know, if if we went to if you and I went to Geneva and said, "Hey, this fellow Reformed folk, how are you today?" <laughs> we would probably be given a third baptism, yeah, which happened to a lot of people in that time. I, I I talked about it before. Martin Luther allowed for a man to die in a hole. Right? He didn't he didn't oh, yeah. speak for or against it, and thus happened he he died in a hole because he refused to baptize his children product of his time you can look at that you can say yeah that was wrong you can't there's no excuse for that you can look at the the third baptisms that presbyterians were doing to i won't say baptist because there weren't baptists during the reformation that'll ruffle some feathers but um people who were not baptizing children you can look at at that sort of thing and you can see the error in it and you can learn from it and come away but at the same time you have to recognize that was what was happening in that day, regardless of of their interaction. Now, could John Calvin have, through time travel and reading, I don't know, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul and The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur and all these other various books, could he have maybe come away with a different answer? Yeah, sure. But he he was working pretty much... By himself, he had a team of people. He had his his fellow reformers, but think about how much material was around then to to go through and look at versus now, and think about all that he had done in his boldness that now people can go through and carefully look at and say. You know what? Maybe Calvin was wrong about this. Let's let's take a deeper look at this. Let's throw it all out then. <laughs> okay. Next heresy. Calvin believed in all millennialism and was against premillennialism. Calvin said, but a little later there followed the I can't pronounce that word. Again, look at the Chiliasts. Chiliasts. Chiliopagus. Let me let me read it. Let me. It's at the very big top of that. The it says children. Ch- no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was like, Are you serious? No, I don't Ch- know. Probably- Chilias, Chilas, C H I L I A S T S, who limited the reign of Christ to a thousand years. Now their fiction is too childish, either to need or to be worth a uh, ref- refutation. Refutation. Again, one product of his time. Two. 
he's not that's not heresy that's a disagreement to say that only okay if you want to say that all post mills are all, heretics all amill post mill and historic pre-mill people are heretical and that only dispensationalists are the correct view of eschatology then what you are doing is saying that everyone before the year 1860 give or take is a heretic so you can do that I if mean, you I want didn't write to. the article you can do that if you want to but you would be extraordinarily wrong okay fine yeah no i'm mad at you luke why did you write this <laughs> right, article right. well I, you know the best part about this all is i keep reading when i could just stop reading and let you talk and then i get to words like refutation you uh, said that one right yeah but i said ref- refutation at first so it's like i just why don't i just stop reading like just shut up all right uh let's see we got a couple more three more so that's what i'm trying to get i'm trying to get this done uh calvin believed in predestination to hell calvin says we call predestination god's eternal decree by which he compacted with himself what he willed to become of each man for all are not created in equal condition rather eternal life is foreordained for some eternal damnation for others therefore as any man has been created to one or the other of these ends we speak of him as predestined to life or death again i'm not seeing any heresy heresy strictly taught in the bible but you can you can believe that you're a heretic all right cal (laughs) calvin believe here we go here you go, talking about Geneva. So far, I've not seen anything. Here, I don't know. Okay, I don't know how this is heretical, but let's see what you think. Calvin believed in being a dictator in Geneva. Calvin was forced to flee his native France and eventually found refuge in Geneva. A man of tremendous political and organizational talents, he manipulated himself and his fellow refugees into absolute control over the city, which gave them protection against the Catholic Inquisition. What came to be known as Calvinism grew out of the policy of writings of John Calvin after he became the ruler and dictator of Geneva, Switzerland. 1541 to 1564. You know, I think the guy... Heresy! I think the guy... Heresy, sir! ...who had a 28-year-long headache... I think he only lived like 56 years as well. So the majority of his life was... He literally had a migraine... And he would wake up routinely with musket balls in his headboard because people would ride past his house and shoot muskets into his house. Uh, I don't think he was a dictator. Okay. <laughs> no? All right, last but one. I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't know about John Calvin's personal policy, but it's heresy, public policy sir. in Geneva. Did you not so, know this article is about the heresies? The last heresy, and there's a couple more, but I'm, I'm yeah. no, I want to, I want to go through these. Bro, these, are these are fun. Okay, these are fun. Okay, well, there's, there's one about a killing too. Which one? Um, okay, there's only two more. Sorry. Okay, we'll do the first one. Uh, John Calvin believed in religious persecution. The outstanding work of Calvin, from a practical point of view, was his municipal dictatorship in the city of Geneva. The literature on the subject is exhaustive. Striking instance of discipline in Geneva are these. A man was banished from the city for three months because he heard a donkey. It's a different, I just don't want, you know, kids are listening, you know, you never know. Bray and said, uh, jestingly, 
he prays a beautiful psalm. Three men who were who had laughed during a sermon were imprisoned for three days. Sounds good to me. Three children were punished because they remained outside of the church to eat some cake. Okay, there's a bunch of lists of this stuff. In the Geneva, a secret police was forged under the name of Consistor- Consistory. Again, why am I still reading? I, Every I, home... I, John Calvin caused 58 people to be executed and 76 were exiled. His victims ranged in the age of 16 to 80. Yeah, I I don't know much. Heresy. That. I know. That's why I also. Because John D. Stewart, is that what his name was? No, uh, yeah, John R. Stewart or something like David that. David, David J. R. Stewart. David J. <laughs> J. Stewart. Good enough. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's right. Um, he told me this is heresy. But, no, that. I I don't I'm I I've never read a biography on John Calvin. I like I said in the first episode, I've never read the Institutes of the Christian Religion written by Calvin. Uh, I I don't think I think Calvinism is a poor word to define the doctrines of grace or the reformed faith because one because you're you shouldn't be putting it on a man's name. He didn't like that people were using his name. And this is why, because you can always look at a man and say, ha, look at that, that guy did some bad things. I don't know if he did any of that stuff, because from what everything else this guy is saying in his list, it sounds like he's either stretching or leaving out a lot of the truth. Um, So I don't know exactly what happened. He may have. And yeah, that would be wrong. But that doesn't condemn Calvinistic uh, All right, if that heresy doctrine. doesn't get you, maybe this one will. The killing of Michael Servetus. Servetus? 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 Yeah, Servetus. Servetus. Okay, so you know this guy. I've heard this name Oh, before, you've yeah. heard him, huh? You've heard of this heresy. Let me introduce you to it. It is Servetus' religious views that are that we are now concerned with for... That is what he got killed for. He was premillennial and rejected Calvin's doctrine of predestination. So far, so good. Servetus was also strongly anti-Catholic. He referred to the Mass as a satanic monstrosity and an in- invention of demons. Okay. Um, he His trouble was twofold. Rejection of infant baptism and holding unorthodox views of the Trinity. And then Calvin wrote up a document with 39 accusations against him, and then I guess they killed him or something like that, and that's it. Yeah. Again, I don't know the specific that's example of that. So Don John David or Stewart guy <laughs> told me, and that's my list. David J. Stewart. Yeah, that was not a bad list. I mean, I I didn't like anything that he had to say because it I didn't mean really it wasn't a bad sense. list. I didn't you like get, it, but it was. <laughs> but, but but the problem is, you can look at all that and say, yeah, John Calvin was a bad. May may have done bad things. Oh, okay. John Calvin was a man. Really? Oh my gosh! No way. Yeah. He sinned too. Okay, yeah. Cool. And so, and again, he was a man. He was a man of his times. Just like you can't look back at Thomas Jefferson and say, "Wow, that man owned slaves." Well, he did bad things. <laughs> I can't live in this country anymore. <laughs> anyway, this has been know, our episode about you can't you can't apply today's standards on historical figures is what I'm saying. Amen. You can uh, look back and say, yeah, it was wrong, but he was also a man of his time. But that's too balanced for people. This has been episode four on but Calvinism you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the mis the misunderstandings and the misuses and the 
whatever else you want to call them. Red flags. The red flags. That's a good one. I like the red flags of Calvinism. A lot of people get Delulu about Calvinism. Next Sorry, week. I had, to, I had to sneak in some Gen Zism. <laughs> oh, good. Next week, we're going to end our Calvinistic discussion with is it important? Why is it important? Why is it important? And are the other viewpoints heretical? Is it, in the words of John David Finley Stewart, heresy? Where can people find us, Jeremiah? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at first off, you're wrong. You can find us on X at F underscore O underscore Y underscore W. You can also email us at contact at first off, you're wrong dot com. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but you already knew that. And with that, the most important thing that you all learned this week. The first off, you're wrong. <laughs>